Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. We are joined by Saad Sheikh, who has the most experience in sales and revenue operations and anybody that we've had on the program, uh, based on number of businesses where Saad has been in one of those roles. So uh, we may, we've had other people that have been doing sales off longer, but haven't, probably haven't seen the diversity of environments, of sales environments that Saad has. So I'm super excited about that. Saad, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tom. Um, and th- Oliver, thanks for reaching out. So, you know, thanks for that intro. I think there's a lot more to that. It sounds like job hoppy, but I think the, the main um, the main story behind that is I learned very early on that sales is a wolf pack mentality. People travel together, at least the good people. They travel together. They they don't want to waste time on proving themselves again and again. So they go with teams that they are leaders actually that they trust in and leaders go with people they trust in uh, underneath them to run their, to run their business. And I've seen that time and time again. So that's part of the reason why I moved roles because I was part of that team that hopped, right? Uh, not hopped, but like, but you know, they, when I think I would, my career in sales ops started at Medallia, I was in finance prior to that. And I would like to dig into that a little bit because that's, that transition is very important and it's, very common in our field, right? So I grew up in accounting, um, moved into FP&A type roles like GNA, GNA finance and sales finance. Eventually, um, grew up in Toronto, so not so sales ops wasn't a thing at, at that time. Uh, when I moved to the Bay Area, for me it was like, hey, I need to get into a role in the tech industry. Like that's you have to do that when you move to the Valley. So. Um, I got a role at a company called Axiom and, you know, with, within that, it was more revenue finance. So I did interact a lot with sales and I like that. I like working with sales. Um, so f- sales ops is very different in every company. And that's what I didn't know at that time. I thought uh, at that time, sales ops was only running commissions and plans. And I'm like, I, 
that's one piece of it. I, I don't think I want to do that full time, but there's a, there has to be more of that. And you know what's what's funny is the leader I had at the time who I actually got along with really well. He um, when I asked him like, hey, I I think there's more to this. I I don't want to do finance for the rest of my life. I I think there's more to sales ops. What do you think, right? And he's like, sales ops. Those are lawmakers. Why do you want to go to sales ops? So that was my first impression of that role. Um, and then going forward, you know, I spent about two years there. I s- talked to a lot of people, networked a lot in the valley. Um, then I started meeting folks that were ex-consultants that moved into sales ops. Um, a revenue ops was not a thing back then. This is like six, seven years ago. And then they started talking to me more about, oh, you can do X, Y, Z. You can do, you can do strategy. You can do uh, planning. The commissions is just one piece of it. Um, you know, there's forecasting. There's management of opportunities pipeline management, like all these things that happen. And then when I started meeting some really strong folks, um, they, few of them recommended like, Hey, medallions of a company that's really hot right now. Definitely look at that. Right. And they had an opening at that time, luckily. And I got in. So my background was more analytics and finance. So I, um, so it was a lean shop at that time, at least with the sales, we had one leader, we had someone running our systems for Salesforce, et cetera. And um, we had one more analyst running strategy. So I dove in with, you know, sort of an analytics background and dove in kind of building that out from nothing to something over the next two years. Um, And I partnered with tons of uh, folks in leadership to present my ideas, uh, to present, you know, um, new projects I was working on that could really help them um, that I still use to this day over three companies. And it really helped shape my relationship with them. So, you know, at that time, there's a lot of people that were first line managers, second line managers. We had about three tiers of leadership at Medallia, right? Which was still not a big company. We had about 200 reps globally. Um, It was still a big uh, difference than what I had before, all enterprise. So I learned from the get-go, you know, a hyper growth rocket ship, like what that looks like. Um, what are the expectations in a company like that? So all credit goes to my VP at the time, Alan Kobayashi, who's who's my mentor to this, to this day. And he really grew me to who I am today. And a lot of things I do is sort of in light to what I uh, learned from him, right? Day-to-day feedback every day. Let's keep getting better every day and learning and understanding, hey, these are these are the pockets of sales ops that you need to learn if you want to become a leader in sales ops one day. Right. And I understood that, Hey, there's high level, there's analytics there's strategy. There's, um, there is like go to market, understanding go to market. There is the revenue or the renewal operations piece. There is a systems architecture piece. There's a COO aspect of it, the communications to exec. Um, there's a deal desk aspect to it. Um, so there's a few things that I'm like, have not done this yet. I've only done like analytics and strategy. There's so many things I got, I got to still do and also partner uh, as well. Right. Um, the channel piece. So, so I knew that I had to get these buckets out, out of the way. I, I had, I knew I had these checkpoints I had to do. And my goal was just to now do that. So this is like five, six years ago. I was like, I need to do all these in some breadth or capacity. I need to do all these so I can become a leader. That's what my goal was. And I was maniacally focused on getting, getting there through, you know, feedback, through growing, through learning to meet people and talking to people. And 
So from there on, uh, a lot of folks at Medallia, especially the leadership that came in, this is all the BMC PTC crew. Um, and like I said, Wolfpack, Mafia, Sales, Family, whatever you want to call it. They went from Medallia, branched to two, two to three companies. One was Datadog, which you know is super successful right now. And the other went to AppDynamics. Um, my VP went to AppDynamics. I knew I was still hungry. I needed to still learn, learn more. So for me, I was like, I'm not ready to set up my own thing. I need to learn more. I'm going to go to AppD, follow him. So I followed him. And I was, I think it was number 20 or 25 of people that went from Medallia in the sales org to AppDynamics, right? There's a huge chunk of people that left. Same, same idea I told you, the Wolfpack mentality, right? And we've done that process before. We understand that it's, it's a lot easier because the role is difficult. It's challenging. The last thing you want is to not have the comfortability to do what you want to do. Um, I think doing a job well is bare minimum, right? That's just, you know, you're going to excel in your role. You have to do everything you can. I think the next piece is like, how do you get along with people within your team? Do you feel like going to work every day and all these little things start mattering, right? So, and do you feel like you can learn from this person? Do you feel like this person's going to um, go somewhere meaningful next or are they done? Like, are they going to retire soon? So those are conversations I was starting to have. And I knew there was a lot more to learn from me. So went to AppDynamics, a lot bigger shop. They had just been acquired by Cisco. Um, so that was a different beast in itself. Medallia was this hyper growth company that was growing 100% or more every quarter. And then you get AppDynamics, which is like 10x bigger than Medallia. And they have so much detailed processes in place. But they're also focused really heavily on data. Like they're maniacally focused on how they do process, right? How they go from this stage to that stage and they do a technical deep dive, then they do a proof of value and you have to do those things to close a deal. And that's how they got to where they are today because they were focused on that, right? And same thing, the senior leadership in sales is also ex-BMC, um, so similar family just extended out, right? So you keep seeing like, you keep seeing like, oh, this is all connected. Like all these people are, somehow related to one another, right? Um, and so I joined uh, supporting the Americas region, which was the biggest there. It was the whole, whole Americas sales org was about 800 people um, by, when I, by the time I left. So this includes the SE team and enablement and everything. So, <clears throat> so for that, you know, learning how to navigate that business with five lines of leadership, each of them having you know, five to 10 reps, there was a lot to cover. Um, so just going through that, those motions, but also having now an analytics team dedicated to you to help you out, which are data scientists. Um, that was a big help. So I don't have to worry about those things. For me, it was like, hey, I've done the analytics piece. I can do a model in my sleep. Um, I, can, I can create this forecasting model, capacity model, whatever. I can commissions model. I can build it out overnight. Um, I want to get past that. Right. So I think a lot of people get stuck there because they don't want to, they don't know how to move past it or they don't know how to prove that, Hey, I can do more. So I think the goal is to get out of that eventually. If you want to be a leader, like you want to be able to think more broadly, strategize more and not get inundated with, you know, day-to-day -day stuff on the analytics piece. It's better to just hire someone to do that for you or train someone and groom someone to do that for you. So that happens. Um, been there, you know, they've gone through the motions, they've through like a billion in revenue. Um, everything's going great. 
Um, now we start being, seeing people leave because they have vested over four or five years. Cisco acquisition has, uh, you know, that time is coming up. Leadership is leaving, right? Because they've made their money. They've, they've hit their timing of like two years after acquisition. <clears throat> so for me, I'm like, what's next? I know I'm not going to get, I still have all these check boxes I have to do. I still haven't done like three out of six of them, right? I've, I've owned a, a commissions, a quota cycle and partnered with the right people for a thousand sales reps. Like I've done that. It's what else can I do? Right. I, I still haven't done, I still haven't owned like a partner ops role. I've still haven't owned a SC ops, CS ops. I still haven't done these things. Um, Enablement was, uh, quite frankly, Enable was never part of any of these roles because it was such a big organization. Enablement was always separate, but my role always was close to Enablement. So it was interesting to just see how that worked, right? Eventually I want to be in a, in a team where I own Enablement as well, but at this point it's working fine, right? So anyway, so Abdi, uh, Abdi uh, is coming to an end because now I'm like, hey, I. I need to know what else I can do because I'm not, I'm getting, it's been two years, almost two years there. I'm now getting to a point where I, I need to know what else I can learn, right? I've done all these things. Uh, I, I still haven't done all these checkboxes that I have to do still. Um, X Medallia CRO, VP Americas for Abdi that brought everybody in. He, uh, I talked to him. He's like, hey, I'm moving to a company called Checker. Um, I need a sales ops leader. Are you ready to do this? And I think that's where you start questioning, like, am I ready to do this? Do I still need a leader to tell me what to do? And that, that's when your years of practice experience really comes into play where you're like, I think I need to take that step and own a team and I can do that on my own. Right. So with the blessing of a few of the mentors that I talked to about, talked to you about, and everybody knows this, like everybody knows each other. So they know this is happening. So this is not like some secret thing I'm doing, which is the other part It's a family environment. Like, so it's, you're talking very openly, but this is what I want to do next. Right? Uh, what do you think about it? Is this a good move or not? And I've seen the best people do that. Like it's, there's, it's a very small environment in the Valley. Everybody knows each other. There's no way, there's no reason to, or even any other role. Sales ops is very small. Uh, it's not a big, big, in, in a, industry or community people know each other right so there's no reason for me to hide behind bushes and feel like hey i want to move there and not tell anyone right so i was pretty open about with at least the leadership like hey this is an opportunity coming up uh, you know i think people i trust obviously do you think this is a good opportunity and you know they gave their two cents about the company about the leader etc you know one thing to point out is like hey do you think this is something that this leader will keep doing, right? Or is he at a, a point where this is his probably last gig? He's made a lot of chunk of change from a lot of the other companies, like acquisitions, IPOs. Um, is he still in this 100%? I felt like he was. And I said, yeah, I think so. Um, so that's the gamble I want to take, right? And so I, we started seeing a trend of a lot of other people joining that team with enablement for Medallia, SC team from Apti Medallia. So a lot of us joined in that checker. Um, and and I, I was there for a short amount of time. And it was actually a really good experience because I was one of the leaders on the revenue ops team. Um, it was a hyper growth company, like I mentioned before. 
but it wasn't a tech sell, right? It was a background check company. So overall, they've done really well. For me, um, within that time frame, I I was initially also talking to someone at a company called Big Panda, and this is someone I've worked with at Medallia and AppD, someone I've worked with as a second line manager, third line manager, and I've known him for like four or five years. And he reached out with an opportunity. Um, and during this time, Checker CRO uh, or VP of sales says, hey, uh, Medallia is an IPO very soon. Um, it's going to like, it's happening. Uh, in, so we, we found out in the news that Medallia is an IPO. And then he said, I think I'm done. He's like, I'm, I'm gonna. He's like, I think, I think I'm gonna advise companies on. I think I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. So, so for me, that was a weird checkpoint where I was like, hey, I, I don't know what else to do now because I, I had this leader that I, like, back had my backing, and now that's not there anymore. And there's a lot of change happening. So for me, it was important to have a direct line to the CRO, and I felt like that wasn't gonna happen because this, uh, they're gonna bring in new leadership, uh, which they have, and they're doing well. For me, it was. To a point where, like, hey, do I do I think that there is a opportunity here um, for me to report to someone, or do I feel like there's an opportunity somewhere else where I can be my own person and you know report directly to a CRO? So that was important to me that I need to direct report directly to a CRO and you know grow the company with him and and have a high profile role. Uh, so that was still the case, but I felt like there was going to be more lines in the middle. So in, at that point, I made a decision that. You know, I'm going to make a move to Big Panda. And, you know, you, you are at a point where it's either you're there for a few months and you said, this is not for me, or you're there a year or two years where you want to invest, right? So you want to make a difference with the company, et cetera. So I made a huge difference within the three, four months I was there, but I felt like it was at a point where, hey, I need, I think this is not for me long-term. I, um, I don't like the commute to the city. It's taking like three hours every day. I, I want to be at a company where, you know, I, of one close to family, I can go back and be in the mental mindset to focus on kids and all this. But I was taking a lot away uh, mentally, just to even the just a commute. And for me, that peace of mind is really important. So because the role itself is very challenging, I want to make sure that I'm at peace, right? So um, that was one decision, and also the leadership um, that was at Big Panda was you know X Medallia, X Abdi, from the CRO to VP Americas to the uh, second, the first line managers, two some of the reps were also ex Abdi, ex Medallia. So, the, and then the process were very similar to Abdi, the same tech cell. Um, so that was important to me because I was like, hey, I can. This this is very transferable to other roles that I'm going to eventually do next, right? Like I, I understand the space. I understand um, how to sell to a CTO or CIO, like what that takes now because I've done that. At sort of a medallion because that was more CEO cell, but AbD and uh, Big Panda is very similar because they're in the same space um, and they sell complementary products. So, with that in mind, it was I made the move and I'm grateful that I did because it's been an amazing ride. Um, you know, I, I think working directly with the CEO, the CFO, the CRO, uh, having a high profile role is meaningful. But also at the same time, the opportunity and the responsibility you get is bar none. Like there's no comparison that I've, what I'm doing now, I've not done before. Um, but it's a challenge in itself and I enjoy it. So it's, I'm really having fun doing that, right? Because we're solving problems together. 
there's no right answers, but we're um, fixing stuff together. And that brings about a confidence and responsibility and this overall eagerness to learn more, right? So a lot of things that I, I'm learning now is like, oh, I didn't do that before. Now I'm doing this because I have this ownership mentality because I have so much more at stake. Um, and just, I'm like, well, the best people I've seen have done this, have been more curious, have asked these questions. So, so that's where I am right now. It's a long winded story, but I felt like it was important to go through that because I feel there's a lot of people in the same space, either stuck or have thought about making move, but it's, it has been done. And, you know, I would love to, for people to know that there's a way to that. Sure. Well, we're going to have to go through the rest of the questions. Quick fire. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So currently right now, Big Panda, how many people in your operations team and how many reps are you supporting both sales and customer success? If yeah. You know? so, it's, so it is a small shop. We at the moment have two people on the revenue ops team and we're lean team. We have on the sales on the sales rep list, we have about 15 to 16 NC, um, but we're going to double by the end of next year. And my team's going to double by double to about five people by the end of next year. Cool. So, and the current tech stack? The current tech stack is um, Salesforce, obviously. There is Clary, which I've used over the last like three, four companies. Um, uh, I'll read something we just bought. Open prize, something we just bought. Um, and then we use for analytics, we use Domo pretty heavily. Cool. Um, does data quality fit within your remit? Data quality, yes. I think my role has is has a lot of um, nuance in terms of data quality. Like we won't be drive that via the reps. We have a very specific way of handling opportunities. We have forecast by the rep, by leader. So each line of leadership forecast a deal because we are enterprise play. We have a lower number of deals, a higher value of deals. So we, we look, instead of looking at a hundred deals, like a commercial business, we look at 10 or 15, where we dig into them really deep. So having visibility into forecasting for each deal is important by each line of leadership. So for example, a rep is committing a deal, manager is not, their manager is backfill, whatever. So just seeing that path and clarity is very important. And we've done that at Medallia because that was also enterprise play, did that at AbD, even though it was commercial and enterprise, but it worked out really well. So doing, did that there and um, Checker and also here. So similar model um, and, and that. A data quality heavily driven by uh, us, sales leadership, um, whether it's, you know, CRM data, uh, we're heavy on um, understanding media activity. So that's something we want to definitely invest into. So that's something we're investing in next automation of activity. So logging meetings automatically, I think that's going to be a huge win for us if you figure that out. So there's a few tools we're looking into for that. But yeah, so actually one of my next questions was going to be on this on driving productivity. What what tools are there that help you like automate that? Because I don't understand how that would work. Yeah, yeah. So the way it works for us right now is <clears throat> we we have you know an SDR reach out to an MQL or lead. Um, they think, hey, this there's an opportunity. There's a, there's pain here. I've talked to them. I I think Mr. Rep, Mr. AE, I need you to talk to them, right? So the AE talks to them. We call that a discovery call. Um, AE feels like, hey, there's there's pain here. 
let's let's have a demo set up let's let's bring in an se and we can demo something right and that's and we have a longer in-person conversation with the customer that we call that a new business meeting if that's a qualified meeting where we feel like this is an opportunity they create an opportunity and then any meeting they have after that is a post nbm discovery meeting and this model is proven with app dynamics, BMC, whatever, like they've done that maniacally focused on this. So we are also copying a lot of things we learn from other companies um, and, and doing that. So, so what we do now is have the reps every week go in and record those meetings. Uh, what we're trying to do is find a way to do that automatically, meaning a rep will go in the calendar, update their meetings um, like they would with a customer, uh, and that will get populated back in the Salesforce or in the CRM automatically. Um, there's no way for us to know what type of meeting that is, if it's an in-person meeting or not. Like this, we're not, we don't have the technology yet, uh, but there's going to be always some manual entry. But I think we're taking away majority of the work they do at the end of the week, where it's like, hey, did I have these 10 meetings? And where did I have a meeting? And they always understate because they forget. So the goal isn't to make people feel like, hey, you're not doing your job or you're bad at we know they're bad at admin work because they don't want to do it, but the goal isn't to make them feel like you are sandbagging a number. It's more like we'll help you clear this up. We'll help you automate this, focus on closing deals, focus on, you know, just, just help us out with XYZ questions. But apart from that, like just we want to make sure it's the least burden on the sales rep possible. And I think that's driven by the, the leader. Um, I think every leader doesn't want a lot of admin work on the reps. So like, we don't want that. But I think we've, what I've seen is at least our leader has, is really maniacal about data. So he wants uh, opportunity to see the data, dig into like conversion numbers. And then we dig into that a lot more. Like we dig into, uh, and this is something I built at Medallion onwards. <clears throat> I, I, what I built manually, this is not in a tool. It's like every quarter based on your start date, like where do you sit with the high performers and low performers? Uh, average are you doing are you going really below are you catching up every quarter or are you shooting for the stars and you have really good pipeline generation but you're really bad on conversion so we start seeing those things and this is not for this is not to um pinpoint like hey this, this is a bad rep we should fire them it's more hey we need to pinpoint this action item for this rep and let's do that um and then go forward right so we pinpoint action items and I think the main job for revenue ops is to, or sales ops, is to pinpoint flags before other people see them. And that's the value that we bring. Like, we, if, you, if you can't do that, then you're just you're going through the motions. You're just reporting what stuff happened. I, th I think one profound thing that someone mentioned to me before when I was making the jump for finance sales ops was <clears throat> finance reports the news, sales ops makes the news, right? And that's been sort of what my career has been is like, Hey, I don't want to report stuff that already happened. Let's talk about what we can do in the future. So flagging stuff that hasn't happened yet. Like, Hey, this is, this is going towards a cadence of they're going to be a bad rap. They're, they're not converting enough deals. You need to train them on X, Y, Z. So when you start pinpointing those things out, that's very valuable because each rep enterprise rep, you know, let's say you pay them whatever, 300 K OT, this industry standard, I'm not giving actual numbers, but, they cost you about $2 million a bad rep because one year you, you lose one year for them ramping anyway. 
the amount of customers you lose. And by the time you realize the bad rep, you're the, by the time you turn them, you've lost as much money for the company, you know, aggregately, right? So it's about 2 million bucks. That's what a lot of people think. Um, and I believe that. So it's, it's imperative to find out who the bad rep is or where their gaps are and fixing those gaps, right? So we don't think that we hire bad people, but it's just more about, hey, we feel like they have a, a value add. Where do we think there's action items to make them better? Got it. Um, in your career, what have been your favorite sales metric to track? <clears throat> the easiest one is pipeline. <laughs> it's an easy answer, right? Uh, I think the f- favorite one. Yeah, so I, I think it will be a mix. So what I created, I, we call the money ball. It's a baseball term. So using data to come up with analogies, come up with cadences. And I would say the favorite one would be conversion, right? Conversion of meetings to opportunity um, and opportunity close. Like these, if, if, if a rep can't convert deals, that's a problem. So the better you convert, even if you don't close them in, in the velocity of time like that you need to, if you if you're good at converting, there's it's a numbers game. You'll you're gonna eventually uh, close deals. So I think that's one thing that's hard to track, but when you do that, I think there's a lot of value come out of it. Got it. Yeah. And then the final question: Who and you may have mentioned this already? Um, yeah. Who has taught you the most in sales operations? Yeah, like I mentioned before, it's I would say there's a bunch of people that were part of where I am today. I think number one would be Alan Kobayashi. He was VP at Medallia, AppDynamics, um, and now he's at Envision. So I'm sure he'll do a great job anywhere he goes. So he's definitely number one on my list. People I call whenever I need to ask a question or if I feel like I'm in a place where I don't have the answers. So uh, I, I would always owe that to him. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Saad, that was... A much a different session than we've had before, um, but I thought it was really useful to have that big overview of your career because we haven't had someone come on and actually show how you can progress from your first order sales ops to being head of revenue operations. Um, so yeah. I thought it was really, really useful. Um, and from that, the pack mentality like really stood out, and it does make sense, right? Like if you go if you go into a new team every time, you have to show them how good you are. You have to learn how to work together, whereas you can yeah. just like shift around with the people. Um, your checkbox analogy about having these like six things or whatever, there could be more than six, right? Where you're like, okay, I need to go to this role to do these two things. I thought that was also really useful. There are two things that for people progressing through their careers here, I think that's really, really valuable. And then the final thing you said about finance reporting and sales ops making the news, I thought that was a really, really good analogy, especially... Um, I think that challenges sales ops people, right? Like, because maybe some sales ops people, I don't know, do more reporting and then less of the proactive stuff to change the future. Um, and I think that's a good statement to challenge people to try and do more. Would you agree? I agree. I think we, as, like I said before, as sales ops people, we have to always be curious, have to always think outside the box and be open to change, be adaptive. Uh, and that comes with, um, you know, just being able to be open-minded and having open uh, growth mindset to how we do things, right? So that is super important and relevant to how we do things in, in this role and do it well. For me, I, I openly say I don't know everything. I, 
I have someone in my team that's a wizard on everything to do with the systems. I don't have all the answers. I can help you come up with an f- idea of like, this is what we want. This is what our vision looks like. Tell me what else I'm missing, right? Is there anything else I'm missing? And I'm open about that, right? So for me, I, I've, I'm getting to a place where I'm hiring the best people that I want in each of the capacity. Like I want to get to a point where I lead a revenue ops team and I have someone that owns systems, someone that owns analytics, someone that owns um, you know, partner ops, CS ops, and they're the best in what they do. And I go to them for guidance. So they're my advisors, like how I am an advisor to someone else. So I think that's what I understood is should be best practice. And that's where I understood like I got the most out of learning um, and also growing my role and, and the team around me and the company. So having an ownership mentality, being curious, understanding what it makes a difference to the company and to the sales team, always keeping that in mind is really important, right? So a lot of us are at big companies where it's tough to do that, right? Where you feel like you're a cog in a wheel or a cog in a machine. And it's just important to keep in mind, like anything you do, um, if it's redundant, then it's not adding a lot of value. Like if you can automate it, then automate it. Think about something that you can do that's not been thought about, that there's um, there's some curiosity to how you want to do things. And you want to, I think the easiest way to do that is have sort of quick wins in your plate. And that's something also I learned very early on, like always have quick wins, always have big projects in play. So that so consistently you're giving them like little uh, nuggets of like, Hey, I found this this week or, or sending email to the CRO or CRO team. Like, Hey, this is what I think I found out. And how about this? How about that? So you always have little nuggets, right. And pace yourself, like always, um, I think this is a very common sales term, but undercommit and overdeliver. And that applies to everyone in every role. So um, the more you know, the better, but talk to more people as a sales op person, understand little areas that you can dig into, but also you don't have to give everything the same day, like break it out and have small wins because if people are busy, they don't have time to digest everything altogether. If I break it out each, every other day, every other week, that's way more value add for them than it is to like, hey, I have all these cool things I want to talk to you about. Let me give you all 20 of them. Instead of that, let's break it out. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about this, this week, this, this week. And you don't have constant, turn, keep turning new, new projects and, and ideas that can help to make, help a company better. But I think ideally, what I do that, but also keep in mind, I don't want to waste people's time. I don't want to input extra burden on the reps. So uh, having really high EQ is very important actually for this role. And I found that that wasn't important for a lot of other roles, but this is so collaborative with other teams where you have to be in the middle of um, marketing. You have to be in the middle of uh, finance, um, of the CS team, of product. Like you have to be connected in the middle and you need to know what's going on everywhere. So you need alliances. So you need to be really high on EQ and IQ. So you know, if you, if, it, if it's someone from finance, ideally, like they're good with numbers, right? So that comes out of the box. So, but apart from that, it's just like, how do you get along with people? Can you make, can you make the right partnerships with the right people and understand their problems and fix their problems and help them get to a better place? I think when you start answering those questions, that really helps um, 
make this role a lot better. Nice. Okay, so that was an absolute masterclass. Thank you so much for your time. It was really good having you on. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com. Thank you.